0: Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Maltopia podcast. We wanted to give you a heads up about next week's episode, which will feature a standalone story written by yours truly. As we iron out our new production process, one of our main goals is to have more episodes produced ahead of time, ensuring we can deliver Red Mother and other series uninterrupted. It will take us a few more weeks to implement this fully, but we don't foresee any further interruptions going forward. To discuss the Red Mother and other stories, be sure to join our growing community over on Discord. Check the episode description for the link, and we'll see you there. We appreciate your patience, and as always, enjoy the show.
1: I knew there was much more at Charlie Bowers than just a man with a burning desire to stuff his entire family, including himself, into the body of a dead dog. If he was an associate of the woman on the tape, and I was pretty sure he was, then I had a pretty good idea of what might have driven him into the belly of a beast. I was going to need Jeff again. Something about the urgency of the whole thing opened too wide a window on my relationship with the detective. While I'd always flirted with my indifference for him, I'd never committed to it, for fear of shame. But here it was, fully revealed. I didn't feel a thing for the man. Jeff was just a box the flowers came in. (laughs) I was surprised how light the realization made me feel trim streamlined for the way ahead. It also made manipulating him a breeze. Using Jeff was just a button I needed to push. Whatever barriers he might present to my getting back into the Bowers' house, I knew I could overcome. My heart had finally left the fight, that part of me that insisted on complicating such things and almost always blew a good ruse. And as a journalist, lying in order to uncover the truth needed to be an especially well oiled tool. I'd like to say that my enthusiasm for the mystery surrounding the mother, as I call her, came from a need to see evil fully exposed. (laughs) But it wasn't. Not even close. I wanted fame, pure and simple. Unfortunately, my fully realized self was still too fragile to confront that dirty little truth. I'd pulled a few breaking and entering jobs back in the day. The stories I follow are harder to crack than simply waving a microphone in someone's face, so I knew getting into the house wouldn't be too difficult. But the duplicate house keys Jeff gave me made the whole thing much easier. There was a moment just before I turned the key to the back door of the house when I knew that my next move would cement my course. There was no turning back after that. Jeff had told me the case was being treated as a simple murder-suicide committed by a deeply disturbed young man. In short, the clock wasn't exactly ticking on this case, so I would have all the time I needed to look into things as thoroughly as I saw fit, starting with the house. If I had to, I was prepared to spend the entire night. I opened the door and walked in. The one thing I'd left out of my home invasion considerations, which became painfully apparent the second I crept into the icy darkness, was the fear. Though it hadn't been long, much had changed since the last time I'd been there. Without all the moving parts of a crime scene, the house was now in full view. The place seemed more honest, as if the darkness had somehow stripped the rooms of their middle-class camouflage, allowing some measure of their true horror to be felt, if not directly observed. As the beam of my flashlight cut through the darkness, I found my hand wandering to the reassuring weight of the 38 in my hip. I didn't think the horror of it all would have struck anyone else as it did me, even if they did know about the whole stuffed dog thing. After all, I had the Rosetta Stone, that terrible videotape through which I filtered the apparent ordinariness of the two-story colonial to find the true nature of the place, hidden in plain sight. That awful woman had been here. The murder-suicide was nothing more than the red waves she left in her wake. While the rooms were a little roughed up from the police trampling over everything, they still managed to look disarmingly normal on the surface. Yet I could tell the entire Bowers clan had been a far cry from the Cleavers, and most likely deserved considerably worse than a nice warm place inside a dead dog's belly. It stemmed from a vile residue in the air, the growing tension of something waiting, its impatience mounting at the continued absence of the Bowers. I shook my head, trying to clear it. I needed something to focus on. My anxiety and fear were growing with every unoccupied second, filling the emptiness with all manner of monster and madman. So I engaged my first objective, finding what the detectives had missed. A methodical search of the first and second floors turned up nothing. I was striking out fast. I had to check the cellar, which I thought far too obvious a place to bury dirty secrets, but I was running out of real estate. Approaching the cellar door, the air went from cold to humid, like I'd just stepped into a greenhouse. Sweat beaded my forehead and sheer panic hit me in the gut as my hand closed around the doorknob. I knew with absolute certainty that if I opened that door, I was a dead woman. The thunderous howl of a dog pierced the silence. I slammed into the wall behind me in a blind attempt to flee. Unseeing, uh, unthinking, I raced through the house, toppling lamps, tripping over furniture, and scrambling for the front door. As I clawed at the doorknob and freedom, the howl died, replaced by words wet and whispered. by the time I got home, I had already convinced myself that I hadn't heard anything. Especially not the combined voices of a dead family muttering from the bowels of an equally dead dog. Regardless of whatever I had or hadn't heard, I knew what I needed to do next. Watch the second tape. If the Bowers really were exposed to the influence of that demonic woman, then the videos might hold clues to what they were up to. The following evening, I awoke to the slow, heavy clicking of toenails across the hardwood floor just outside my bedroom door. The kind an impossibly large dog would make. My thoughts fuzzy with sleep, it took me a few moments to come to the realization, or rationalization, that the sound was just left over from a nightmare, one I was grateful I couldn't recall. Sometime later, after I'd prepared a second carafe of coffee for the night's entertainment, I rooted around the cardboard box for the second tape. The dirty, peeling labels were blank except for hash marks and faded red ink. Turning on the VCR, I put the tape in and pressed play. I took a seat on the couch as the static washed across the TV screen, hoping my nerves were ready for what was coming. I knew damn well they weren't, especially since coffee was no substitute for a drink I found myself in the grips of a fucking delightful mixture of the shakes. Part withdrawals, part caffeine, and part beer. As the static faded to darkness, I heard her voice. Pure sugar and sinister. Be careful, my dear. A trail of shadows can never lead you anywhere but further into the dark. Her words just hung there, like smoke on a calm night. Nothing immediately followed, just the occasional crackle of an open microphone. As if she knew I was watching the video for clues. My heart began pounding at a familiar and frantic rhythm. My hand went to the arm of the couch for support for something real and solid grounding me. My questing limb discovered something wet and warm on the arm of the sofa. I paused as I absently wiped my hand on a pillow. The substance was too slick to be coffee or anything else that made any immediate sense. My fear snapped from the TV screen to the strings of viscous fluid oozing off my fingers. No, <laughs> it wasn't coffee at all. More like the drool of an oversized English mastiff. The kind you might stuff your entire family into... Jeff was happy to see me and thrilled to have me in his bed for the remainder of the night. I made no mention of what had inspired the late-night visit. Lying next to him, I pondered the cold realization I'd made only a few days before about how comfortable I'd become with manipulating him. For me, manipulation was better done over the phone or from behind a cup of coffee at a crowded cafe. In the confines of his bedroom, especially tonight, it all felt too direct, highlighting my absolute shittiness jeff was a good guy i just couldn't bring myself to care about him that i'd crawled into his bed because i was scared on top of all the lying just made everything worse in that moment i realized just how much of an asshole i'd become and i deserved every bit of guilt that came with it I had already slept through the majority of the previous day, so I was wide awake while Jeff snored away. Fairly certain he wasn't going to wake up, I decided to try for a new self-loathing world record by sneaking into his study to see if there were any materials in the Bowers family I could get my hands on. I didn't find anything by way of crime scene photos or evidence, but I did find a small notebook of Jeff's containing his case notes. Apparently, the Bowers owned a bit of land with a small trailer parked on it, and after a thorough search didn't turn up anything, investigators lost interest. Somehow, I knew this was the clue I'd been searching for, and to make me feel all the worse for my snooping, Tel Viv had been scrawled in the margin on the page. The following morning, I had to wait for Jeff to remember to tell me about the plot of land, as his notes weren't at all clear to where it was. It turned out the place was pretty deep in the woods outside of town, which according to my running hypothesis makes perfect sense for a family of serial killers. So after some tedious small talk and a ham-handed segue into my reasons for leaving, I was on my way to do some research. When I got back home, the TV was still on and the VCR had automatically rewound the tape. The only good thing to come from my hasty departure was that I didn't get to watch the rest of that damned video. The wet spot in the couch had dried and I again found myself second-guessing myself. The spot might not have been there at all, if it had been, and it was probably from my shaky hands and an overfilled cup of coffee. Maybe I dreamt it. Maybe the stress and anxiety of the past few days combined with climbing on the wagon again had caused some weird delusions. But I was intimately familiar with DT's and this wasn't it. More likely, I was grasping at straws to keep the truth at bay. (laughs) Funny how I only wanted the facts when it came to work. Never myself. Sick of all the self-reflection, I set the issue aside and focused on trying to not feel like an intruder in my own home. Nothing was amiss that I could see. No tapping toenails, no drool, no other weird shit I couldn't explain. Once the curtains were open and I had some upbeat music playing, all seemed well again. I settled back into my practice routine of hitting up the internet for some dirt to scoop. After an hour or so, I discovered that the Bowers property and surrounding area were known to house quite a few caves, the perfect place for deranged killers to do their thing. I wanted to make my way out to the property to see what I could find, but after being up all night and most of the morning, I was exhausted. With my bedroom curtains wide open, allowing in as much light as possible, I tried to sleep. Big mistake. It was night and I was in bed. I could feel the soft breath of a breeze blowing through the open window. The pleasant feeling was soon joined by the quiet rustling of trees packed thick with leaves. I heard the click-clack of toenails on the street below. I sat up and peered outside. It was her, naked and covered in blood, walking a dog. Walking that dog. I pulled my gaze back into my room and tried to rush downstairs. If I could reach the back door, I could flee into the night. But as dreams would have it, the air around me was as thick as molasses, slowing my movement to a crawl. As I struggled to make it to the hallway, I heard my front door open. Two sets of footsteps, bare feet and toenails, echoed into the hollows of my house. Go get her, boy. The frenzied tapping of toenails grew louder as a pang of panic reached up from the pit of my stomach and seized my heart. I couldn't bear the thought of watching the monster barrel down the hall towards me, so I pitched myself forward, falling face first onto the floor. Despite this effort, the dream supplied different vantages, showing me various things I'd hoped to avoid. Suddenly, the hot, wet breath of multiple mouths fell across my neck, and the stench of long, dead things filled my nostrils. Moist and rotten sounds gripped my ears. The tenants of the dead dog were struggling against each other, each trying to free itself from its unhinged jaws, opened impossibly wide. I heard the splatter of unseen fluids fall into the floor as one of them drew close to my head. I could feel the thing's mouth next to my ear, gnashing and gasping for breath. It took up a mouthful of my hair, gnawing and tugging at it with a soft, wheezing moan. The thing spoke in a slobber, spilling syllables like saliva.
0: Pear Pear tree. tree. Fruit Fruit. all over over the the ground. ground. It's It's
1: there. there. As it spewed its last word, I could feel a sickening liquid running down my head. The smell was nauseating. The witch came next. On naked bloody feet smiling that smile of hers I was grateful the dream didn't show me her eyes her lips were at my ear emanating a heat that burned my skin and singed my hair she whispered and at the end of this journey a glorious wisdom from the outside which never strays from the uncertain path and whose traces once revealed must vanish with the night You will know evil things, Genevieve. Her grip was iron as she wrapped her fingers around my face and pulled me before her gaze. Her eyes were open graves waiting to be filled with death. And you will be glad of it. I woke in a hot sweat, sick and shaking. It was night and a hideous smell filled the room. The stench of dead things stuffed inside other dead things. I retched all over the sheets. As I gasped for breath, wiping strings of spit from my mouth, I heard the fading sound of toenails tapping on pavement. Planning for your next trip?